passport patients. I've been coming here for two days now. I've seen people line up from 3 a.m. What to expect when you go to Renew. Sunwing outrage. It was like cockroaches everywhere. The water was like pouring out of the air conditioning. And the call for compensation. Pay up and make sure it doesn't happen again. Plus, paging international help. We need more nurses now. BC's plan to recruit more nurses. But what about doctors? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie are on assignment tonight. I'm Jordan Armstrong. We begin with huge lineups and seething frustration at many passport offices across B.C. as people scramble to get their travel documents in order. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the system is clearly unable to handle the crush of people who are suddenly willing and able to get away from it all. It started early, and by the time the passport office opened Tuesday, people were lined up almost out onto the street. Frustration was building. For some people, this was their second try just to get into the office. I've seen people line up from 3 a.m., 6 a.m., 8 a.m. in the morning. There's no organization. They have 22 toll booths in there. Only five people are working. Passports, once again, a hot commodity in Canada. People booking post-COVID travel and some realizing too late their travel documents aren't in order. According to Service Canada, during the year spanning April 2020 to March 2021, 363,000 passports were issued. In the next year, that number quadrupled to 1.2 million. Some people are now finding out they have their documents in time. I thought, okay, if I'm prepared and I'm willing to pay the money and I come and wait early, it shouldn't be a problem. But it's, there's no organization and no staff. I'm just calling it. According to the federal government, the passport service standards haven't changed. According to the website, it should take 10 days for an in-person application at a passport office, 20 for applications at service centers or by mail. And while the government claims those standards are being met for people with pre-booked appointments, immigration lawyers say there are plenty of cases where they're not being met. Volume and staffing issues have led to delays across the board. I don't see this problem going away anytime soon. And so uh, my advice would be to apply for your passport well in advance of travel. Service Canada says unless you have an appointment booked online, there's no point showing up in person. But there are lineups across Metro Vancouver, signals that not everyone is getting the message. And the crush of applications doesn't appear to be slowing down. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Sunwing says it is working hard to restore its flight schedule after a system-wide failure grounded its planes. The company confirms it was hacked, and thousands of passengers have had their travel plans disrupted going on three days now. Catherine Urquhart with the latest tonight. This was the scene at the Cancun airport Sunday night as frustrated, angry travelers, unable to fly home, clapped and chanted. Sunwing claims it has been dealing with a network-wide outage. Reportedly, the airline's third-party computer systems were hacked. Langley resident Danny Evans was among those trapped at the airport and says passengers were given ever-changing information. And we were in line for seven hours, and in that seven hours we kept being told, 
oh, it'll be 10 minutes, it'll be 20 minutes, it'll be a half hour. Sunwing says more than 40 flights were delayed. Evans made the desperate decision to pay about $6,000 to fly home with WestJet. The trip home cost us more than our whole holiday down there. So was it frustrating? Frustrating to the nth degree. Thousands of Canadians have been impacted for three days. One passenger rights advocate says Sunwing needs to take responsibility. You are relying on a subcontractor who is handling those computer systems. Quite clearly that is inadequate. We have seen this type of issues before. Just because the subcontractor, it doesn't relieve the airline from responsibility. Pay up and make sure it doesn't happen again. In a tweet, Sunwing said, while our systems provider continues to work on resolving the system outage, we continue to manually process as many flights as possible, but expect further delays. Please note that all impacted passengers with flight delays over three hours will be compensated. Details were not provided. Evans says Sunwing's handling of the situation was inexcusable. If you are thinking of traveling with Sunwing, think quickly, run fast, because you'll take a beautiful holiday and turn it into a disaster quickly. If Sunwing's name comes up, run. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The Gastown Heritage Building, severely damaged by fire last week, is coming down. Today, the City of Vancouver outlined the demolition of the Winters Hotel. Grace Key explains how the teardown will affect more than just fire victims. Heavy equipment is on its way in for demolition at the Winters Hotel in Gastown. Teardown could start as early as Wednesday morning and wrap up by Thursday with cleanup to follow. The City's goal is to complete this work and clean up as soon as possible to allow the businesses and residents to safely return to their areas. Vancouver Fire will mitigate the dust by hosing things down and four air monitoring stations will be around the site. Businesses and residents are being advised to close all windows and vents and move things inside. Some businesses across the street in the collapse zone have been closed since the fire, but most will be able to remain open. Just a few feet away is straight out of Brooklyn. They are hoping for things to wrap up quickly, saying business has dropped by a third after the fire. It's been slow. We had a lot of uh, people just coming in by the foot traffic, you know, and also the delivery platforms are affected as well. Because sometimes the drivers call us, just, uh, they just call us and like, you know what, we can't reach the point. So some of them just cancel the, the trip. Like many neighboring businesses, Brioche across the street shut down for a couple of days following the fire. They're bracing for more disruptions, hoping it won't scare customers away. Of course, it's going to, it's going to be a bit of disruptive in our way. And it's hard to predict because, you know, we got catering that we need to bring out of here. We cannot bring our vehicles nearby to the place, you know, so we're forced to walk around the block. So it's a kind of a very disruptive. I feel sorry for the people that were living there. The fire broke out at the single-room occupancy hotel eight days ago, leaving more than 70 people homeless and destroying businesses below. Many of the residents have been offered housing at the Columbia Hotel. Abbott is closed between Water Street and Blood Alley. Expect brief power outages at nearby buildings and noise into the evening. The area could be back open on Friday at the earliest. The city of Vancouver is overseeing the demolition. The building owner is paying for the cost. Grace Key, Global News. The husband of a woman killed by a runaway delivery van in Surrey is suing Amazon and two other companies. 
Paramjeet Masuda died in December 2020 after an unoccupied cargo van rolled into traffic. Masuda was walking her two children on the sidewalk. She pushed her twin daughters out of the van's path to save them. At the time, Amazon said the driver was delivering packages for the company but was not its employee. The lawsuit seeks damages from the driver, Amazon, Foss National Leasing and Dami Logistics, claiming the driver was not trained properly. None of the allegations have been proven in court and a statement of defense has not been filed. A remarkable story here. Two people have escaped serious injury after their vehicle skidded off a highway and plunged 24 meters or 80 feet down an embankment. Have a look. The crash was caught on dash cam. It happened yesterday on Highway 19 north of the Nanus rest stop on Vancouver Island. The car ended up beside some train tracks at the bottom of the slope. By the time volunteer firefighters arrived, the two occupants had already gotten out of the vehicle and climbed back up the road. They were taken to hospital for observation. Surrey RCMP are asking for your help tonight to find a man who is wanted Canada-wide. 28-year-old Tavon Lloyd, who also goes by Gucci, is wanted in connection with a shooting on December 30th on Laurel Drive. Charges were approved last month, but Lloyd has yet to be arrested. He is considered to be armed and dangerous. If you know where he is, call 911. The pandemic exposed cracks in the healthcare system, including the nursing shortage faced by many hospitals. The province is now overhauling the process for internationally trained nurses to work here in B.C. in hopes of reducing wait times. Richard Zussman has more. Fast-tracking to the front lines. Well, we need nurses, we need health sciences professionals, and we need others in the healthcare system. After years of a chronic nursing shortage in B.C., the government announcing Tuesday an overhauling of the international accreditation process. The new system will consolidate the assessment for internationally educated nurses, provide bursaries to cover language and skill assessments, and create a new nurse navigator. This announcement today is a game changer. The BC Nurses Union has been pushing for years to changes to assessments, this, in part, will help address the nursing shortage, but largely helps in areas like Metro Vancouver and not across the province. It is very lower mainland-centric uh, right now. We need to make it uh, province-wide. Throughout the pandemic, nurses have been forced to work short-staffed, while those trained outside of the country have waited, in some cases, years to be accredited here including Gabriella Kashonen, the Finnish-trained nurse penning this Victoria Times colonist op-ed from her Vancouver Island home. I don't have the credentials to be a nurse yet, and so I kind of need a temporary job in between while I work through this into the unforeseeable future. <laughs> her application starting back in November 2020, still waiting, even though she's worked in the healthcare system in Finland and is a Canadian citizen. After I had done my part, I waited for seven months before anyone did anything. Tuesday's change one step closer to getting Kashonen and others like her into a healthcare system desperately looking for a cure. Richard Zussman, Global News, Vancouver. Let's bring in Keith Baldry now because it's not just a nursing shortage BC is dealing with. There's also been a challenge in recruiting doctors, Keith. So any news on that? 
Yeah, slow pace, uh, slow progress being made on the critical area of recruiting family physicians. The number has gone up for the last two years, but not at a great rate. Here's the numbers when it comes to family physicians. You go back to 2017, 2018, there were 6,218 family physicians. Over the last four years, that's grown by about 10% uh, to 6,852 uh, compared to the population increase, which is 6%. So it's outpacing on a percentage basis, the population growth, but obviously 634 physicians aren't going to look after after 288,000 people. Health Minister Adrian Dix asked about this today, saying it's a lot more co complicated uh, to get doctors in the system. The system is not set up really to get doctors in on a uh, quick basis. Here's the minister. We have a primary care system that is not um, very open on the doctor's side to uh, new entrants. Uh, new entrants want to see uh, in their day-to-day -day lives a different system than the one that uh, I inherited when I became Minister of Health in BC has had for decades. And one of the challenges family doctors are having now, and other physicians as well, is they're seeing different types of care now being required because of an aging population. So that accounts also for some of the burnouts we're seeing reported from uh, physicians and nurses. Also, uh, other healthcare professionals, there's going to be shortages as well. Look for the government to take action in the coming weeks to address the looming shortage of technologists in healthcare. The people who run the MRI machines, x-ray machines, and like, they're retiring in great numbers too, and they have to find ways to recruit new members there as well. Yeah, such a big issue affecting so many people. Thanks for this, Keith. A healthcare worker hit with hundreds of dollars in parking tickets. Why she refuses to pay and why she says the entire hospital staff parking system is unfair. Next on the News Hour. Airborne and unmasked. America's changing travel rules and the reaction to them. Plus, it's a law that's rarely enforced. Tonight, the BC Police Agency warning of fines for cyclists who don't wear helmets. That's later. Right now, those staff at Ridge Meadows Hospital are the latest to say parking is a pain. The program for employees is done by payroll deduction with a limited number of participants. But as one healthcare worker tells Amatagahi, it is almost impossible to be part of it. I'm here Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, so I'm a full-time staff member. Julie Zayner is an essential frontline worker at Ridge Meadows Hospital. With a daily commute and $70 a month just to park her car on site, it is starting to feel like she's simply paying to work. We all can't afford that, you know, especially with the gas, the cost of living, just in general. I get so stressed out that sometimes I can't sleep at night. Temporary free parking introduced during the pandemic ended March 4th. Since then, it has been easier for staff to find a parking spot. But the costs are adding up. To make matters worse, hospital staff are also constantly being ticketed. There's five tickets there, which is a total of $409.25. Yeah, that's not a small number, is it? No, and I can't afford to pay that. And they've also sent me to a collection agency now because I haven't paid them. Um, and I just, I don't think that I, I should have to pay them. I work here, I'm an employee here. The province says free parking was always temporary. The parking when it was free was taken up by people who weren't at the hospital. And it, it, the system wasn't working for staff or anyone else. There needs to be a solution, but nurses and healthcare professionals should not have to be paying for parking just because other people are taking advantage of uh, the free parking. Zayner is on a 365-person wait list for a discounted staff parking rate. 
and the parking company is unsympathetic, telling her this. If I had a problem with this, basically, that I could maybe find other means of transportation. Um, and that was... I found I was pretty offended by that. We contacted Fraser Health to ask why in the midst of a healthcare worker shortage this has become such an issue. The health authority told us to talk to the PHSA who did not respond before a deadline. It's kind of a slap in the face. Emadagahi, Global News. Just ahead tonight, Russia's next move. The fight for Donbass and the new round of sanctions announced by Canada. Plus, the free service Victoria wants to offer cyclists this summer. Extra busy here in Coquitlam, eastbound on Highway 1 due to this stalled semi. It's all off to the shoulder, but still slowing everyone down. When renewing your ICBC Auto Plan insurance online, select your nearest Sussex Insurance when prompted. For all online broker benefits, peace of mind, and best rates, select Sussex Insurance today. I'm Trish Jewison in Global 1. I am of Highway 1. This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team, and let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca. Ukrainian soldiers are preparing for the next stage of the Russian offensive. The Kremlin has issued an ultimatum to those defending Mariupol, with Russia looking to secure its control over the eastern portion of Ukraine. Kyle Benning explains. The Russian military is moving towards the next phase of its invasion of Ukraine. The Kremlin directing its soldiers east towards the Donbass region. Another stage of this operation is beginning, uh, and I'm sure this will be uh, a very important moment of this entire special operation. This comes weeks after the Russian military had personnel stationed around the capital, Kyiv. The latest movements suggest it will look to focus its efforts on the eastern portion of the country, which is home to a higher proportion of Russian speakers. Ukrainian officials say some residents and military members remain surrounded in Mariupol. The enemy continues to block and shell humanity which makes it impossible to evacuate civilian residents of occupied territories using uh, green corridors agreed upon. He says Ukrainians have killed more than 20,000 Russian soldiers, as well as bringing down more than 300 helicopters and planes and thousands of military vehicles. Meanwhile, the United Nations is calling for a ceasefire as Orthodox communities prepare for holiday ceremonies. Inspired by Holy Week and all that it represents, I urge all parties and all champions of peace around the world to join my Easter appeal. Ukraine is reporting 20,000 people have died in Mariupol and tens of thousands remain trapped in the port city. Russian President Vladimir Putin met with his Armenian counterpart Tuesday. Canada announced a new round of sanctions, which includes Putin's two adult daughters, as well as another dozen associates close to Russia. This Russian regime and its associates need to continue to be held accountable for their actions. Global Affairs Canada says the federal government has sanctioned more than 750 individuals and entities since the invasion started nearly two months ago. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says Canada will send heavy artillery to Ukraine and says those details will be released in the coming days. Kyle Benning, Global News. New developments tonight in the tragic death of a teenager last month on an amusement park ride in Florida. Officials in Florida revealing stunning new details about the Orlando Amusement Park accident that took the life of 14-year-old Tyree Sampson. 
Samson was riding the freefall ride at Icon Park last month before slipping out of his seat and plunging to his death when it came hurtling down. According to an outside engineering firm hired by the state, the ride's operator allegedly changed sensors on two seats, including Samson's, leaving the teenager not properly secured. The operator of the Orlando drop tower made manual adjustments to the ride, resulting in it being unsafe. The report says the change to the sensor on Samson's seat allowed his safety harness to open to almost double its normal range, from three inches to almost seven. These misadjustments allowed the ride to operate, even though Mr. Samson was not properly secured in the seat. During slowing of the ride, the report concludes Tyree Sampson slipped through the gap between the seat and harness. In a statement, Icon Park says it's deeply troubled by the report. The Slingshot Group, which owns and operates the freefall ride, tells NBC News all protocols, procedures, and safety measures provided to us by the manufacturer of the ride were followed. Samson's family says he weighed nearly 360 pounds and that he was turned away from other rides at the park because of concerns about his size. You represent the family in civil, in the civil arena. Is there a criminal component to this, do you believe? When you start talking about intentional conduct and you start manipulating seats for profit, I think that you start getting into some intentional conduct that the state attorney's office should possibly look at. Coming up on the news hour, reaction rolls in. I think it's a mistake what people are saying now that the mask mandate for public transportation in the U.S. is lifted. And what you need to know if you'll be traveling there soon. And bivalent boosters, the new vaccine recipes being worked on and how they could provide better protection against the virus. Steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge with just a little bit of leftover volume through Richmond eastbound on the east-west connector from Knight Street. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $60 million plus an estimated 10 max millions. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm sure she was in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Vaccine maker Moderna says it hopes to offer COVID-19 boosters in the fall that protect against both earlier strains of COVID as well as the Omicron variant. Moderna and its rival Pfizer both are testing what scientists call bivalent shots, a mix of each company's original vaccine and an Omicron-targeted version. Meanwhile, Johnson & Johnson has suspended the sales forecast for its COVID-19 vaccine, citing uncertain demand and supply surplus of rival shots that have fared much better than its single-dose vaccine. In Health Matters tonight, the decision from a Florida judge to overrule a federal mask mandate in the U.S. on modes of public transportation and in transit hubs has thrown a country struggling to get the pandemic under control for a loop. It has been met with both praise and concern as COVID cases spike once again. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest. If you choose to, you may remove your mask. The decision that caught a country off guard is now in full effect after a Florida judge overturned the U.S. federal mask requirement, claiming the mandate exceeds the CDC's statutory authority. This has nothing to do with public health. This is all about politics. Despite concern from the medical world, airlines quickly rewrote policies. 
so too did other transportation networks like trains and taxis. The decision could cut down on aggressive behavior, with more than 5,000 mask-related incidents reported to the FAA in the last 16 months. After numerous extensions, the mask mandate was to end on May 3rd to give the CDC time to gauge how the BA2 subvariant is spreading. It's dominant and it's climbing in the Northeast and is expected to jump in the next two weeks. Masking is the single most easy, high-impact, low-cost, lowest adverse reaction intervention you can imagine. While Americans can ditch the mask, it's not cut and dry. Masks will be required on all flights to and from Canada. Transport Canada isn't changing its policy, saying decisions will be based on the latest public health advice. Getting that balance right and showing how we're able to continue to be patient as Canadians and do the right things, that's what matters. Some medical experts argue aircraft passengers can be up to three times more likely to catch COVID-19. Now, public health experts fear removing this mandate prematurely could wind up causing more harm. I think it's a mistake. I think we're going to have a lot of people getting COVID unnecessarily. The Biden administration says it will appeal the judge's decision if the CDC advises, meaning masks, at least for the time being, will remain optional as politics and the pandemic continue to clash. Reggie Cicchini, Global News, Washington. Millions of dollars to reduce the risk of wildfires. We have lots to learn. Just ahead on the news hour, why one government minister says the funding is only part of the solution. And the seas are back. We'll take you to Nat Bailey Stadium a bit later. The Salvation Army has been serving the downtown east side for more than 65 years. While the need continues to grow, they have a vision to meet the demand. Nine Stories of Hope will provide essential services to those in need. And revitalize the community. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The province is granting millions of dollars to communities to reduce the risk of wildfire. The funding was announced in last month's budget and will go into programs to help homes keep homes and communities safe from fire threats. First Nations and local governments will complete prevention activities on public, reserve and private land. We have lots to learn. Money is only part of it. It's that ability to work together across communities, local government, First Nations government, federal government and provincial government. A lot of this is about coordination and doing a better job. We've got lots to learn from each other. Today's announcement is part of the allocated $2.1 billion for wildfire and flooding prevention and recovery over the next three years. Well, with wildfire season approaching, a new program is launching in Penticton to help protect the community. It turns out your garden can be an effective fire break. And Taya Fast shows us how landscaping is a simple and effective way to protect your property. Fire Smart BC has teamed up with the Home Hardware Building Center in Penticton to launch an in-store Fire Smart landscaping program. We definitely live in a dry part of the province and, and fire, I think, is, has been on everyone's minds here every summer for the past many years and, and is going to continue to be a, an issue going forward. And I think uh, landscaping and, and just all the areas around your home that you can plan ahead to do in a firewise way are certainly 
benefits. Penticton is among the first communities in BC to launch this program. Our FireSmart program is launching the plant tagging program here at Home Hardware. It launched in 2021 at Art and App in Prince George and Kamloops. FireSmart says they hope to help the community make informed choices about how to increase wildfire resiliency, especially around homes. Well, given the city we're living in, uh, fire wildfire is not going away anytime soon, so we really need to learn how to live with wildfire and landscape and build our homes to be fire smart. The in-store program visually shows gardeners which plants are considered more fire resistant through a tagging system. All these plants here that you can see, uh, they're leafy green, they've got flowers, so it generally means they need a lot of water to live. Um, Because they need a lot of water, they generally have a lot of water them as well, um, so it's a lot harder for them to ignite. Um, you'll see that tag and know that you can have these super close to your home and not worry about embers landing them and then igniting a larger fire close to the home. And plants without tags means they have the potential to easily ignite. So these ones here, uh, generally known as evergreens or the Christmas trees, um, cedars, stuff like that, more household vocabulary. Uh, they're full of oils and resins to keep them green year round. Uh, The issue with these ones is they accumulate a lot of dry, dead material. So when you actually pull some of these back, you'll see inside is a whole bunch of dead material. um, And that's super susceptible to embers landing close to homes and then igniting these. For gardeners not shopping at home hardware, FireSmart also has several online tools, including a landscaping guide to ensure you are making informed gardening decisions everywhere. TFS Global News, Penticton. Meteorologist Christy Gordon is here now. The weather window is a very popular feature, Christy, and you have a video tonight that proves it. That's right. We're going to do something a little differently tonight, showing you a TikTok video. Why? Because 10.8 million views on this TikTok video, and it has to do with the weather window on the news hour. Here's a quick look. This is Mark Skeeth watching intently, hoping that his gorgeous photo was shown on the news hour. Now, unfortunately, we didn't end up showing his photo because he took a photo of a cloud that was so spectacular. There were a lot of people that took photos of it. So tonight, Mark, because you're such an avid uh, global news watcher, clearly from this TikTok video, uh, we thought we would show your photo. So you're going to need to stay tuned. And thank you to everyone who commented on this TikTok video. It looked like uh, there was a lot of people that understood exactly how Mark was feeling. All right, so it is going to get cold tonight. We are going to drop down to below freezing and through the interior. There's a risk of frost across Metro Vancouver. If you have any vulnerable plants, make sure you're covering them up. And that's because of a clearing sky. Now, we are going to see a system move towards the south coast. It will be dry and mostly sunny in the morning. But by the afternoon across Vancouver Island, you can expect rain. And for Metro Vancouver, late afternoon. Lots of sunshine in through the interior and milder conditions. Although it will be cold tonight, you'll rebound nicely with that sunshine tomorrow afternoon. And for the south coast, we'll wake up to sunshine and we'll see increasing cloud through the afternoon. Metro Vancouver, we're expecting rainfall by the late uh, sort of afternoon into the evening hours. And that takes us into Thursday with a little bit of wet weather, but we come out of it on Friday. But at least some sunshine to start the day off tomorrow. All right. Here's tonight's center windows weather window coming to you 
from Mark Skeeth. This is the Anvil Cloud that was spotted from all across the South Coast on Thursday at around 7 p.m. Mark, great shot of it. Sorry that we didn't show your photo. I like that you captured the almost full moon in that as well. If you're wondering what an Anvil Cloud is, it's basically a thunderstorm, but thunderstorms tend to grow vertically. But sometimes there's a cap in the atmosphere where it's not able to grow upwards anymore. And instead, the thunderstorm cloud grows horizontally. And that's what creates this anvil shape. If you're wondering when an anvil is, think back to sort of um, uh, the cartoons. I think it was a roadrunner that they had an anvil in that cartoon way back when. And that's sort of the shape that you have here. Mark, I hope you're watching. And thanks so much for sharing your photos. And to all of you uh, weather window uh, uh, contributors, thank you so much. I'm sorry if we don't get to everyone's photo. We get so many, especially when there's such a spectacular cloud like this. All right, Jordan, back to you. Yeah, great shot. Thanks for your patience, Mark. And thank you, Christy. A Regina man is certainly thankful for a pit stop in Alberta, a short break that turned into a life-changing moment. Meet Dale McEwen, Canada's newest multimillionaire. Dale and his family were headed to B.C. for a family ski trip when they stopped in Dunmore, just outside Medicine Hat. He picked up a quick-pick Lotto Max ticket. A few hours later, the family trip cut short as he realized he just won $70 million. He won it on April Fool's Day, but this was no joke. Checked the one, and it was a $2 winner, and, you know, the usual, and checked the other one, and... It says, hey, it appears to be a winner, like $70 million winner, and just sat there stunned for a while and didn't know what to do. It was hard for everyone to believe, really, like, or, or count the amount of zeros and figure out what the number actually was. So everyone was in disbelief and didn't really believe it was true. McEwen has been in the trucking business for 28 years. This win will allow him to retire early. His wife, Christy, says they plan on helping family and just figuring out the rest as they go. This is the largest single lottery prize winner in Western Canadian history. A lot of people, when they come to BC to go skiing, they feel like they're winning the lottery, but he actually did it. Good for him. And he has a truck, so he can fit all he does. the money in his big truck. That's right. Hopefully it's a Brinks truck. Yeah. For the first time in nearly 1,000 days, the Vancouver Canadians will mm-hmm. play at home tonight inside legendary Nat Bailey Stadium. The Seas take on the Eugene Emeralds for their long-awaited home opener, their first match at the Nat since 2019. The team didn't take to the field in 2020 due to a cancelled season before playing all their games in the U.S. last year because of COVID travel restrictions. Tonight's tilt is the first of 66 home games for the Seas as the club enters its second season in high A. Busy night in your department. And high A means more games. When they were okay. in the old rookie league, they didn't play as many games. So now you have 66 home games, which they didn't have before. Wealth of knowledge, Squire. Well, you know, but, uh... I read up. <laughs> Uh, the Canucks have won six in a row. Last night it was a 6-2 win over Dallas. And uh, because it's a back-to-back game tonight against Ottawa, Vancouver will play Yaroslav Halak. We've got two good goalies. We may as well use them, especially coming down these last five games. You never know. Um, Demmer might have to play all five. After that spell of not being himself, Yaroslav Halak seems to have gotten his game back in shape and earned the confidence of Bruce Boudreau again. All right, Squire, also coming up, why cyclists who don't wear a helmet and roll through stop signs may wish to avoid North Vancouver this summer. 
My, how things have changed for the Canucks. This reminds me of the Whitecaps last year. Yeah, right. When the Whitecaps changed coaches after the bad start, and then everything started to fall into place, and they made the playoffs. The Canucks haven't made the playoffs yet, but they're still in the conversation. So, in the rearview mirror of the Vegas Golden Knights, LA Kings, Dallas Stars, and Nashville Predators, objects are closer than they appear And the object is the Vancouver Canucks. A six-game win streak with a little help from their friends has kept Vancouver from being erased from the playoff picture. In last night's win over Dallas, they made you forget that they didn't have Bo Horvat, which is not a knock on Horvat. It showed how much this team stepped up in the captain's absence. Tonight, they have Ottawa in town. Yes, a much easier touch on paper. But there can be no cockiness from the Vancouver Canucks. No nights off. The Vancouver Canucks playoff bandwagon continues to pick up speed. The Vancouver Canucks looking to make it seven straight wins as last night they beat the Dallas Stars for their sixth consecutive victory. Tonight they get the Ottawa Senators who were in Seattle last night cracking 4-2 winners against Ottawa. Now the Vancouver Canucks find themselves just four points back of the LA Kings for that third and final playoff spot in the Pacific Division. So it's another big night for the Vancouver Canucks here at Rogers Arena. I just finished telling the guys that this game's worth two points. Last game was worth two points. We need them all to be successful. We've seen Ottawa, anybody that's watched them play uh, against Canadian teams knows that they get up for every Canadian team they play. And they can be either really good or they can be normal. Um, I don't think they were great last night, so I expect them to be really good tonight. Last night's 6-2 victory by the Vancouver Canucks against the Dallas Stars was arguably one of their better team efforts of the season. Yes, they did give up that shorthanded goal and a power play marker, but that second period for the Vancouver Canucks, arguably one of the best of the year. They outshot Dallas 17-9, and tonight they need more of the same. I think our work, everybody's skating, uh, these are um, pinching, playing aggressive. I think like we're forechecking a lot better. Um, I think just our defensive game, the whole ice uh, always putting pressure and and that leads to to more offense and more looks uh, in the offensive zone. I think we've become less of a perimeter team like we were at that stage and we're going to the net, we're staying at the net, we're trying to get inside the D and we're getting a lot of traffic in front of the net and I think when you do that, that creates opportunities for you. Now there is one significant lineup change for the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Bruce Boudreaux thought long and hard about perhaps starting Thatcher Demko on back-to-back nights, but it's going to be Yaroslav Halak who will start against the Ottawa Senators because after tonight, the Vancouver Canucks play two very, very crucial road games. Thursday, they're in Minnesota. Saturday, they're in Calgary taking on the Flames. And that Thursday game in Minnesota will be Vancouver's third game in four nights. From Rogers Arena with your ringside report, Jay Janower, Global Sports. That is the Nashville Skyline, which was also the name of a Bob Dylan album back in 1969. Okay, sorry, throw that in there. Uh, UC Soros, one of the busiest goalies in the NHL, as Johnny Gaudreau basically lost that off his stick, but it counts as a save. Now the Canucks are hoping for the Flames to win this game, but Philip Forsberg from Port Moody's Ryan Johansson, the one-timer on the power play, that was the first goal of the game in the second period. One more look, it's 2-1. It's now the end of the second. Nashville leads Calgary. Well, nobody is sure yet what the Seattle Seahawks will do with the quarterback position this season, but they are on the verge of signing veteran backup Geno Smith for another year. So that would mean that right now Seattle's depth chart at QB 
is Drew Locke and Geno, which for fans of the Seahawks doesn't quite inspire a lot of confidence. But there are still rumors out there that Seattle might try to make a deal with Cleveland to bring in Baker Mayfield, but a Mayfield trade to Seattle or somewhere else likely will not happen until the NFL draft. Hey, look who's back playing, Bianca Andrescu. After seven months to reset herself, she was out at the uh, Porsche event in Stuttgart taking on Julie Niemir, and she would, well, that's a nice little shot right there, win the first set 7-6, Andrescu would, and she did, in fact, win this in straight sets 7-6-6-3, moving on to round number two. And this fans in Liverpool saluting Cristiano Ronaldo, who announced that he lost his newborn son. He wasn't playing, obviously, today, but at the seven-minute mark, the fans in Liverpool paid tribute to the Man United star. They also watched their team move in the first place in the Premier League. Mohamed Salah with the goal there from Sadio Mane. That made it 2-0 in the 22nd minute, and Sadio Mane does one himself. 4-0 the final. Salah, incidentally, had two goals in this game as Liverpool beats Man United. There you go. All right. Thank you, Squire. Victoria. Known for flowers, high tea, and maybe it's bike valet service. We'll have that story when we come back. Kamal Karamali is here with details on what's coming up on Global News at 11. Kamal. Jordan, Victoria police are on the hunt for a suspect at this hour in a random assault in downtown today. Police sharing this photo of the female suspect. They say a man was walking northbound on Blanchard Street in a crosswalk around 8 a.m. today, carrying hot tea when he was kicked and as a result spilled hot tea on himself, causing significant burns. And we'll have all the highlights from tonight's first baseball game at Nat Bailey Stadium since the pandemic. Those stories and more on Global News at 11. Looking forward to that. Thanks, Kamal. Thank you. Okay, we are moving on now to North Vancouver, RCMP, with a message for cyclists. Don't be surprised if you're stopped for not wearing a helmet or not obeying the rules of the road and you're handed a hefty fine. The Mounties say many cyclists don't understand that they can be ticketed for not following the rules of the road, just as drivers can be. The fine for failing to obey stop signs, failing to yield to pedestrians, and disobeying traffic lights is the same as for drivers, $167. The fine for not wearing a helmet, $29. The fine for riding without proper lights or a reflector at night, $109. And a lot of uh, cyclists that might be coming out in the, in the next little while are, are seasonal cyclists. They're not the ones that commute to, to work uh, daily. Uh, they may not be as uh, aware of some of those rules. So. Making sure you wear a helmet is a great way to make, to, to make sure you stay safe. Well, you've heard of a coat check. Victoria is thinking up something they call a bike valet. And Kylie Stanton has the details on what may come. They say build it and they will come. That's been the case with Victoria's cycling network, what's resulted in record numbers of people making trips into the downtown core. But with increased traffic comes the issue of parking, and now wheels are in motion to address it. We've heard how important it is to have a safe, secure place to store your bike when you come downtown. The city has put out a request for proposals for vendors to provide, operate, promote, and maintain a bicycle valet to accommodate everything from e-bikes, cargo and adaptive bikes to strollers, even skateboards. The idea is that it's a, a people-powered booth, so you would have somebody there, an attendant, just like a coat check every day. It's not reinventing the wheel. 
Oak Bay Bicycles has been offering up secure bicycle parking at special events for years now. Yeah, we have a trailer that, that has racks that could, could hold a thousand bikes. They've seen a huge uptake and expect the same when it comes to the city's initiative. The users find tremendous comfort than locking it up and kind of just leaving it on its own. And it's proven to be safer as well. In Vancouver, the Bicycle Valet has been operating for 17 years. In 2019, it saw a 60% reduction in theft in and around its Granville Island location, jumping as high as 80% during the month of August that year, while the number of people using the service continues to climb. We're now at 250,000 bikes parked. So a quarter of a million bikes parked uh, safely and returned happily to their customers. We just want to keep that service going. Totally free, safe parking for bikes. And that would be the case here in Victoria as well, as adding a price would only create more barriers. And while the city is open to where it's located, like private storefronts or businesses, the Undercroft at City Hall might be the perfect fit. It's bright, it's lit, it's covered, and it's really a central location to drop off your bicycle. The plan is to have the service up and running by early June until the end of October. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Do you have a bike? Are you a cyclist? I am so concerned about my bike being stolen, I always drive my car. Ah, there you go. See? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Christy, last look at the forecast. Still cold in the morning? Uh, yes, so chilly in the morning for sure, but still bike riding weather because you'll be able to get out there. It'll be dry by the late afternoon hours. That's when we're expecting some rain to push in. We'll see that through the evening tomorrow. A little unsettled on Thursday, but we should be back to some sunshine on Friday. You can pull that bike out, uh, Squire. Don't worry about it I gotta get a new stolen. banana seat on there. it. Oh. Remember the banana seat? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, okay. Oh, bit. yes. In the band, so I, I think put I put some playing cards about. in the spokes. Let's just, oh yes, yes. Let's yes. go seventy style. There you go. Busy night in sports, was right? Perfect for doubling someone else. Yes, yes, it was good for doubling. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Canucks mm-hmm. and Canadians later tonight. Yeah, Vancouver Canadians uh, playing at Nat Bailey. Finally, yes. and the weather's nice. Finally, and uh, the Canucks going to make it seven in a row. They should against Ottawa, but these are the kind of games you don't want to look past it too much. See what happens. All right. Full post game at 11 o'clock. That's tonight's news hour. Thanks for watching. Look at that sunset. Good night. <laughs>